Back to the Salem's Lot podcast. Today you're joined by your host Claire. Hello. And myself, Marcus. Today, um, well, before we get started, let me just get out of the way. We took a, a week of silence yesterday on the podcast alongside other media outlets, bigger ones than our own. They've been doing a blackout on Tuesday. We thought that we'd give our respects to not only the George Floyd protests, but also the people that have died as a result of the COVID 19 crisis. We thought why don't we do our part, why don't we stay silent this week and just let people have a chance to ruminate. Yeah, for anybody who's died during the COVID-19 through the Black Lives Matter protests and police brutality in general, we just thought we will take a week off um, because there's so many important things going on in the world and a podcast each week isn't always needed if it gives you time to just sit back and And we're no experts on the subject either, so... If we take a week off, then it's a good chance. I implore anybody that's listening to this podcast, um, in lieu of the episode that we didn't do, go listen to a podcast on colonialist history. Go listen to a podcast on the COVID-19 epidemic. Go listen to something to inform yourself because ultimately we're not we're not intellectuals that are at the height of knowing everything about these crises. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of what listening to an episode three that would have been taking place on the podcast, we're just going to jump straight to episode four. Episode three is you going out and you finding um, something to listen and educate yeah. yourself. Because a lot of these problems... Yeah, it's the problems come from lack of education and lack of education about your own history with it. Um, so wherever you're from in the world, what part your country has played in inherent racism. And how your country is reacting to the COVID-19 thing because I think once we're done with all of this we need to hold the government accountable to better rights for everybody no matter what their race and to also hold them accountable for how they've acted throughout the whole COVID-19 crisis because there are a lot of um, BAME people who have been disproportionately you know at more risk of death if they've got COVID etc so I think it's just important to take everything into consideration and I won't be talking as much in this one because I have had massive issues in my hay fever today. Um, blew up after a bike ride. Eyes swollen. I'm still a little bit stuffy. So Marks is going to be taking the rain today. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and do the best that I can with this podcast. Obviously, it's your baby. We're not do- we only started this because it was something you were really passionate about doing. Um, I'm honoured to take this opportunity to try and lead the podcast. But I just want you to know, guys, this will not be a regular thing. As soon as her hay fever gets back under control, she's taking it back over. I like to be the side guy who likes to, you know, ask the difficult questions and play devil's advocate. Um, I don't like being the creator. You know, mm. I have my own creative things that I get in to do. And I really like it when Claire takes control of this and makes it her own. I like to just help with that in any way I can. Right, so this week we're just doing news, aren't we? Yeah, updates in the past couple of weeks and our thoughts on it, basically. So we've not done a podcast last week and we thought this week, well, we had some things written down, planned, some scripted ones, but with everything going on at the minute, um, just from a cultural sense, it just didn't feel right to approach these topics now. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that the dialogue that we'll be having about those ones, because the way we're trying to do things is, We'll have a couple of conversationalist podcasts and then when we do the scripted ones, 
We usually read out the whole narrative events and then we have key questions afterwards. I think the questions that we'll be asking after these ones that we've scripted yeah. will be very different now with all the George Floyd protests and all these things right in the centre of our mind. Yeah, because we've also been taking time to sort of educate and notice any um, mistakes that we make in our own lives towards racism things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good thing that our questions about different cases will change because we've tried to do our best to change our own thoughts and points of view. That being said, um, that kind of left us a little bit at a loss. So we thought, hey, we didn't manage to do a podcast last week. So this week, why don't we just kind of cover all the main things that have been in the news over the last two weeks? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the George Floyd protests have been in the news, and I think you've got a little bit of information about yeah. that. How they've been also, acting in the UK, basically. Yeah, I've got stories about things that have been happening in the UK, mostly from this week, and obviously the whole madness about Madeleine McCann's story oh, resurfacing yeah. and things like that as well. Uh, a lot of things have been happening in the world, but I suppose when there's 8 billion people running around all making questionable decisions, we're bound to have headlines galore yeah. in a 14-day period. So starting with that, probably the most important thing that's happened, the most important thing that could have happened for somebody like me <laughs> is that the Premier League has started back up again. So um, I know a lot of you probably out there, especially British men, you know, sitting in your house, bored, the weekend comes round, it doesn't feel quite the same. There's a hole. And you can't fill that hole with anything. You can't go outside, you can't go to the shops, you can't spend money. Alcohol's hard to come by. I mean, I don't drink, but I don't drink anymore, but alcohol's hard to come by because it was being rationed in the first few bits. You could only buy like three of one thing. So it was becoming very hard. There was no football to entertain the masses, but now we've got the Premier League back um, with no crowds, you know, the Germans yeah. have had it back for a few weeks now, we've just got it back, there are no crowds, and it's only in England, because mm. in Scotland we already finished the season, yep. and in France they already prematurely cut the season short as well. So I have a question for you, Claire, do you think that without the crowds being able to be there, is there any point? I think that, I've got mixed views, so... Coming from Scotland, family are very heavily interested in football. So I understand that football is a great way for people to entertain themselves, to watch, to talk about. Yeah, it's a form of escapism. Yeah, it's like bonds families because mm -hmm. they can spend time with their kids watching things. So part of me is like, yeah, it's good. But I also think it's smart that Scotland decided to cut theirs. And I think I'm thinking along those lines is because a lot of the time, and I know there isn't fans in the stadiums, but a lot of the time it brings out the worst in people sometimes, mm. depending on what team you support, etc. Um, and while there's not going to be fans in the stadium, it doesn't mean there's not going to be people out drinking on the streets, up fields, bike tracks. Like There's yeah. going to be people going out and we just don't need that extra burden on paramedics, nurses, doctors, etc., firemen policemen to be going out and dealing with that yeah but on the other hand i'm not totally against it these footballers get paid a lot of money if they're able to do it in a safe way fair enough but if footballers start getting covid because of it i'll be like was it smart here's a question so my dad obviously we live with my family mm -hmm. um 
Hopefully over the course of this podcast we'll get to move out, spread our own wings, maybe have our own podcast studio. But for the moment, we do this in our own little humble space in our bedroom. Um, so we interact with my family members a lot. My dad, um, he's a very big conspiracy theory guy. We'll probably have him on the podcast at some point, I yeah, imagine. Yeah. Um, Once everything's a wee bit different. Yeah, everything calms down and we all go back to some kind of relative normalcy. He believes that, because he's reading a book about the authorised history of the MI5, it's been sitting in the bathroom, yeah. we've seen it for ages. Um, he was talking about that um, it was either World War One or World War Two. MI5 was one of the agencies that said to the government that, look, you've got to bring back your football, you've got to bring back the racing because people are getting upset and we need something to distract the masses. Oh no, what they mean by that is working class. Yeah. So is there an argument to be made that we're bringing back now the Premier League and of course the Royal Ascot, the horse racing thing was on, are we bringing those back for the right reasons or are we bringing them back to distract the masses from the fact that COVID-19 actually hasn't left yet? Yeah, no, I think it is a big distraction because in Britain at the moment we have the Conservative Party in power who are very much for the upper middle, upper working class. Oh, yes. Um, and I have very strong opposition. You know, I just do not like the Tories. Um, a lot of people who have saw or heard of stories from parents, etc., of the destruction they basically caused to the west of Scotland dislike the Tories and that whole destruction stuff I believe because I like some of these conspiracy theories was to squash the working class and prevent them from you know becoming more prosperous with the shipbuilding blah 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 and then you bring in all of the football and the horse racing which distracts them further so that they don't realise not that they don't realise because the perception that working class people are less intelligent is garbage Um. But it would distract anybody if suddenly your favourite sport's back on the TV. Yeah. To stop being as actively invested in what's going on in Parliament. And sure enough, people are breaking the rules. Exactly. And people will start to go into other people's houses to watch the football. Which, yeah, you're allowed to go into people's houses now in Scotland, but you need to stay at a distance. A distance. Yeah. Um. So fair enough, if you have like your brother over to watch football and you're at a safe dis- distance, you're not breaking the rules. But people, not everybody's going to do that. Yeah. Um, and it'll get very hard if people have had a few drinks. And then we'll have a second wave, it'll come like a tsunami, thousands of more people will die and we'll be like, but I thought I was doing the right thing, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean that. And these people who are, break, who are breaking all the rules are the exact ones who are going to moan about a second wave. And then when the second wave comes, they'll be raging that they can't do all their stuff again. I'm like, but you were doing it anyway. I mean, I'm not happy for the second wave of deaths, right? No. I know that in some form it will come. It may come later in the year, it may come in winter, but it will come. I'm sad knowing that all those people will die. So what I'm about to say is not to make light of that, but I've really become accustomed to doing nothing in the house all the time. And I look forward to the opportunity to be forced to chill out for months on end again. Yeah. <laughs> if that opportunity arises, yeah. I would like, I, I, I enjoy being kept inside. Look, if, if everybody followed the rules, we would minimise this thing. It would pop up. We'd go back into lockdown for a few weeks. Everything would go back to normal quicker. Mm-hmm. It just would. People aren't following that. It's going months on end. It's estimated 60,000 people have died in Britain alone. Like it's... Uh, I mean, people are saying, oh, the government need to be doing more and like keep the lockdown tighter and... They should just sit on it for a while before they relax restrictions and then they're the very people who are going out and breaking the rules. Aye, aye. So it's just, it's caused me so much frustration this past week. I know. 
Like we have family members that have been making questionable decisions. Yeah, and we have been going out for extremely long drives because within the radius that we are allowed. Yeah, we're like our little five mile radius about three times that we're out for a while, um, because we're just desperate to follow the rules because. Yeah, lockdown's quite nice lying about and stuff, but I don't want all of that stress. Because like, fam- we've both got family members who are in healthcare and stuff like that. And I think everybody in the country knows somebody who's working on yeah. frontline this. And it's like, I don't want the stress on them, I don't want the excess deaths. But when the other wave does come, I will be so ready to say to people, it's your own fault for breaking the rules. Do you have any other coronavirus news? So while we're here, while we're ready, we can just back this out of the way and then we can talk about other things that have been going on in the world. Well, I don't have tons about coronavirus itself. Hit me with the coronavirus and then hit me with the George Floyd protests. Mm-hmm. Well, all I've got is really a rant about um, what I didn't realise until today. So you know how England has the different levels for like risk? Yeah, So it's at level four, five, four... So yesterday they put us down from level four to level three, put England down, Scotland's are not following that, um, which means that, oh, we can have slight relaxation of shops reopening and things like that. However, all of the shops started to reopen last week when we're still in four. Yeah. But they only actually put it down to three. It was almost as if the government forgot that they even had that in place because they didn't put it down to three until they got called out about it by a member of the press. But three still means that there's an epidemic about it. It's just not yeah, rising. Yeah, it means a slow relaxation of shops reopening, not like it's open at every pre-mark in England yeah. last Monday and watch people camp overnight to go in. Like, and it just adds into the whole mashu with how our government's reacting to the press and stuff. Yeah. So uh, there was a nurse who was meant to be talking at the Prime Minister um, press conference they done a run-through of it, got questions asked, and because she didn't agree with the situation with Dominic Cummings, she got cut from the live edition of yeah. it. Um, Boris Johnson is now shouting random words in Parliament when people are trying to ask him questions to avoid the questions. And I think, we're as dramatic as this sounds, we're slowly going into like a state of almost fascism or something. We're very Trumpian at the minute. Yeah, Boris Johnson very... is like our um, Oxford... Trump in a weird way yeah. he thinks he's smart but Trump is an ignorant old fool but he is smart in some senses like he knows how to play people Yeah. Boris is also like that but he's got this level of snobbery that makes him even more unlikable than Trump yeah in some because ways. Trump seems stupidly ignorant of other people whereas Boris likes to think that he understands other people but he does not at all I miss the days of Theresa May, and I never thought that I'd seen her. And I used to hate her. Yeah, she was now, such an embarrassment, but you know what, now I think about everything that's going down, and I'm like, she would have handled it with at least a little bit of grace, or yeah. at least a perceived attempt she at grace. She wouldn't be locking down the press, she would at least be answering questions. Yeah. Boris thinks he's so untouchable that he can do what he wants, basically, and not talk to the press. He's like, in his own head, he's probably like, I've had COVID, I can... I'm Do immune it. to yeah. questions about it. Uh, but yeah, that's basically all I had, just my frustration at the government again. And any progress on the George Floyd protests? Um, well, we've had a lot of protests in Britain as well, which is what I was looking into. Um, so one of the things was that the government has 
a race inequality commission that they're bringing more focus on to just now. And they've just recently elected a leader who's known as Munira Mirza. There's a lot of backlash about that, wasn't it? Yeah, so down in London, they are shouting no to Munira, like Sacker and whatever. And it's because when asked a few years ago, I think it was maybe last year, um, she's been asked on numerous occasions if she believes in structural or systemic racism. And her response to it has been that it's more of a perception than reality. And this is the woman that they have elected to be part, not even just part, the leader of the Race and Equality Commission in Britain. Well, I'm interested to see how her findings come out. Yeah, but the fact that she even got elected is just... Like, yeah, coming, she's not... Like, almost from a film show, like, coming from the, the man who was pro-Brexit and supports Dominic Cummings' refusal to resign is the woman that doesn't believe in systemic racism leading <laughs> the racial inequality front. Yeah, like, it's, it's a joke. A joke. Our government's a joke. But I don't think we're the only country in the world who hates our government, other than New Zealand. Yeah, that Jacinda lady, she seems alright. She seems like a genuine person. I think the only thing people have been annoyed about is that she didn't come out. Was it? She didn't say anything about the police brutality for like a week. And everybody was like, oh, I think if... She, you don't say anything for a week, but you manage to save thousands of people's lives with the whole COVID-19 thing. You get a pass for a few months. Yeah, I think she has been working very hard compared to other She's leaders. got an excellent PR team, I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Boris Johnson needs to try and pluck a few of them for his own strings because right now he looks terrible. Or he actually just needs to be like a decent person, perhaps. In the line of terrible things that have been happening in the world. Actually, yeah, we'll jump to this other story about because we're talking about the George Floyd protests, they've been sparking up these international protests all over the world, including in our very own local city of Glasgow. Um, so this started on Wednesday. They've been, well, this week. There have obviously been protests before that. But there seems to be a battle uh, right now, as there is everywhere, between the far right and, especially in Britain, with, don't remove our statues. Our statues uh... are important for history and things. And then the people on the left and the rational, who are saying, look, this guy single-handedly helped move thousands or hundreds mm -hmm. of slaves, profited off the slave trade. It's not really good. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, you've got this revisionist history that we're trying to push where like, we want to get these people who have been seen as influential and positive figures tainted rightly by their actual history. Yeah, to get the truth out. Yeah. Boris Johnson doesn't believe in that, but... So who's fronting that is the National Defence League and other right-wing groups. Right, and their excuse is protecting statues. However, they have been extremely violent and thuggerish. Um, Doesn't surprise me. Going out clashes with police. Yeah. Doesn't surprise you with their history. So there was a demonstration by both parties on Wednesday and another one today on Saturday. You've got the National Defence League on one side, battling with the police and trying to get violent. And then the supporters for anti-racism in Glasgow is the Stand Up to Racism campaign, the Glasgow campaign to welcome refugees, Positive Action in Housing and the Afghan Human Rights Foundation and Unions because we take in a lot of people from the Middle East. Yeah. I know when I was um, working a job in Paisley, there was a, there was a like a small it was like almost like a commune of Syrian families like refugees that had been housed there and then yeah. some of them being integrated in the local community and stuff. So yeah, they're they're quite in the West Scotland anyway. There's quite a lot of uh, refugees. Um, there's a lot of local groups who try and link up somebody from the West of Scotland yeah. um, and sort of buddy buddy up or something it's called and 
they just try and like help them learn the English and teach them some things that would be useful to know going out shopping and yeah. things and this because it's a completely different country you're coming to it'd be so difficult it's strange how you have such divisive opinions about something like a statue well somebody had mentioned it to um, Boris Johnson and he said something along the lines of oh we shouldn't people need to stop looking at symbols and whatever and we need to remember the good and the bad, but mainly the good about our history and how much of a positive influence we've had on the world. I'm like, what positive influence has Britain had? We took over so many countries, involved in slave trade, profited, all of our profits basically come from hurting other countries. Mm-hmm. What positive impact have we had? Have I missed something? Well, that ties very nicely into another story that we've got. Sorry, I'm just going to try and keep <laughs> taking your words, spinning them into my own concoctions. Unless there's anything else you want to add about the statues? Well, the Kenya actually involves that. Huh. So there is a row right now over stolen relics. Who stole the relics? I'll give you one opportunity to guess. Who's getting blamed for it? No, who stole relics? What country likes to steal things? <laughs> Britain. Britain. Exactly. So the British Museum in London is currently being accused of archaic and colonialist views by refusing to give back um, these famous Greek um, statue things, Mm -hmm. so like statues and sculptures, Mm -hmm. right? Um, In repeated polls, British people have voiced their support for the repatriation of these carvings, right? They were controversially removed from Parthenon in 1802 at the behest of a man named Lord Elgin, London's ambassador to the Sublime Port, right? So Boris Johnson's come out and actually said, well, it was actually a good thing that this guy stole them back in the day. We have refused repeatedly to give these things back. He said it's a good thing that we stole them? Yeah, it was a good thing because they weren't looking after them properly so we can look after them. Oh, this is the whole white saviour thing, isn't it? Even though Greeks, European people... Are also but they're slightly tanned. They're slightly tanned. So am I. Mm. <laughs> so there's been an argument back and forth, and pretty much the British Museum has been saying, because this has been going on for years, because the Greeks want their stuff back. It's theirs. Yeah, it makes sense. It's their history. Um, so the British Museum's argument um, has been, until you have a museum nice enough to store these things, you cannot have them back. So Greece built a museum, and they still won't give them back. Right, it's got to the point where Greece is even willing to trade other artifacts for this thing, right? And it's not been ruled out as a result of all this stuff about all the artifacts that Britain has hoarded over the years, where mm-hmm. they've been raping and pillaging and stealing a bunch of stuff. That it may come down to legislation in the Brexit trade agreement. Really? Yeah, it's like give us our stuff back, or no we're going to make things more difficult. I think that's fair. I think it's more than fair. I think it should have been given back before now, the year twenty twenty. And they're upset about hurting the spirit of some stupid lord, like, over things he stole. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, We think that we're still living in the past. Some people do, like, in Britain. Think we're still living in the past. Britain is a great country, which it's never been. I dislike Britain so much. Mm. Like, that attitude is terrible. And when we do leave the EU, we should be made to give back everything to all of the countries. Because we are no longer part of the EU. Like, it's not as if we're celebrating our culture as European, a European nation. Yeah, if you're not a European nation, give back the European artifacts if you don't yeah. want them. If you don't want to be seen as part of a European like, society, what, what business you have you got holding on to these things? 
you know, and I don't think that Finders Keepers has ever been a valid law. So no. finding something in a different country and being like, oh, that looks nice, I'll take it back to my homeland. It's being has a ever thief. been, yeah, it's being a thief. It's not legally binding. But only rich and powerful people get away with that. Or rich and powerful people get away with everything. Mm. Right. You got a story or am I jumping? You can jump. Most of mine's been covered in these ones. Two tragedies. So I'm going to take a more serious tone. I'm going to go slower. In the last 24 hours, there was a house fire in Paisley. A woman is in critical condition and her three children have passed away after a horrific house fire last night. It is the Gibson family and to the family members out there and to those children who sadly lost their lives. Uh, our deepest thoughts and condolences are with you. Yeah, that is a terrible horrible. thing to go through. All three children. I can't imagine if the mother pulls through because she's the only one from the house fire that survived. If she pulls through, how she will feel. Yeah, how her life will be. Can't imagine it. Um, hope that she gets all the support that she needs. Just can't imagine what that would be like. Another tragic story, this one takes place in London. A 15-year-old with learning difficulties was stabbed after allegations he had molested a girl. No one went to the police uh, about the situation and the boy always denied it. Nevertheless, he went to a meeting with two people who he believed to be his friends, a 17 and a 16-year-old boy. Uh, they stabbed him multiple times, including in the heart, and he was left to die in the street. The boys were sentenced yesterday, um, the oldest one to 14 years and the 16-year-old to 10 years, respectively. Civil, civilian or vigilante justice, I think this is one of those scenarios where the line is not grey, it's black. You shouldn't be going out and committing these kind of atrocities, especially when there's no proof other than like word of mouth, Hearsay. no police reports were ever given. It was something that a girl said, it might have happened, I'm not saying that it didn't, but no, a boy is dead, he can't tell his side of the story yeah. if it was ever to be legal. There is no need for civilian no. justice. No, I mean, ignoring the fact that he had learning difficulties as well, you shouldn't, you know, innocent until proven guilty isn't really followed in this world. I mean, this could go into a topic that I want to do a full podcast on in terms of um, the Me Too movement, Woody Allen, rapists, paedophiles in general. I think that could be a whole podcast. Yeah. Um, I think if a girl comes forward with a story, you should believe her and go through all of the legal proceedings to make sure that it, she's telling the truth um, but you should initially contact, uh, be in contact with her with compassion and belief because to come out with anything like that when it is true and not have somebody believe you would be awful but you should also approach the person who has been accused with dignity as well in case it isn't true because these things are horrible and it's good that more people are speaking out but there's going to be people who do take advantage of it mm -hmm. and maybe don't tell the full story Maybe. I mean, that goes into that massacre you were telling me about that um, yeah. Bailey Sarian yeah. did a video on. Yep, last Monday. It's horrible to think about people will lie about terrible atrocities. That's not to say that everybody's always lying about it. I think no. you're right. You always have to take it seriously. It always needs to be investigated through the proper channels. The proper channels is the words that I'm going to stress. It's not for people to think that they can take into their own hands. Mm -hmm. It's for the proper forces at B to look at these stories from both sides, find what the fallible truth is, and then 
deal with it from there. Yeah, I mean, we've all got issues with police and the whole, we need reform in law and in how judges treat certain people. But it's the best we've got. We can't just go about with people who don't have any education in law hmm. to deal with it on their own. You know, I might not trust how they might treat certain people, but I trust it more than just going out and murdering somebody when we don't know if it was them or not. Plus, the kid had learning difficulties, so they would have needed to work with him very carefully. Yeah. I don't and know how severe he always denied it. He always mm-hmm. denied it. And that's not to say that he didn't do it, but no. it is to say that it needed investigating properly. Yeah. If it was, If it's serious, investigate it. Have the proper channels look at it. If he did do it, it would go to jail. Yeah. It'd go to some form of jail. Mm. If he didn't, and I would probably won't really know, he's just been killed for what may have been something, what may have not been. Yeah. As well, the fact is we don't know, and I don't think you should kill somebody before they've even had a chance to go through. It's the same with Twitter, um, as you were saying this whole horde mentality it goes back this idea of bandwagoning without proper information it goes back to this whole idea of lynching people mm-hmm. back in the 19th and 20th century you know without the proper information with red and blood in your eyes before you have any but even if you have any interest in actually knowing the truth or just mm-hmm. your perception of the truth you need to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and yeah. that every voice gets heard appropriately and that you're objective about it as much as you mm-hmm. can be. My last story that I have uh, is about the rough sex defensive court. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, um, there was a massive stir about a woman, a young woman named Grace Mullane, who was backpacking in New Zealand. I think everybody knows this story. Yeah. She was killed um, and her killer argued that it was as a result of strangulation during sex and that she'd asked to be strangled. Um, subsequently, I believe, I, can, I don't have it here, but he put her in a suitcase? Yeah, I think I think he, I think he put her body in a suitcase, um, which just shows that, you know, say she did want strangled during sex, she didn't want to die during sex. Yeah. And if it was a genuine accident and something like that, you would phone local authorities and you would explain, and they would be like, it was a genuine accident, mm. you know? Like, putting somebody's body in a suitcase just shows guilt. Like, I don't... I, that's why I don't believe it. I'm like, why would you do that? Lodging that as a whole, I don't think murdering someone during sex through strangulation um, is, you know, a reputable defence in any way. No. And gladly, it seems that the powers of be in legislation in the United Kingdom don't believe so either. So his defence failed ultimately and he was convicted of murder. But as a result of this, um, in the United Kingdom, we have a new domestic assault and domestic abuse bill coming about that should be released later this year. And included in that, which will be implemented in England and Wales, I don't know if it already is in Scotland, that it will ensure that you can no longer use rough sex as a viable defence for people dying. And that pretty much, that's great news in the sense that sexual abuse victims can no longer be forced to listen to how it's their fault yeah. that something happened because they like it that way. And the idea that her family had to sit and listen to this man lie about her sexual desires, yeah. lie about 
um, what she wanted and that she's basically arguing that yeah she wanted the things that led up to her yeah. dying um, is just wrong it's disgusting so that was the first part of that story which is new a new domestic abuse bill hopefully we'll see less and less case of this and if they do come to light they'll be prosecuted by the proper channels they'll no longer be able to hide behind this rough sex defence yeah. because while this guy was convicted we don't actually know how many people have gotten away with it because yeah. they've argued that and won the second part of that is actually quite heartwarming. So, Miss Moline's family have said that they wanted to create a positive legacy as a result of her death. They've set up an initiative called Love Grace X to help domestic abuse victims. And initially, they've and additionally, they've donated thousands of handbags packed with toiletries to refugees across the world, and have also been making care packages for patients, nurses, doctors, Aww. and carers during the coronavirus pandemic. So, if anybody's out there who hasn't been followed, who's making a tidy packet, or if anybody has money that they want to put towards a good cause, Love Grace X is an excellent one because they look after refugees all over the world. They make sure they're trying to do a good cause both domestically and internationally. And they're trying to bring light not only to what to their door, but also just to make people sure that people are well looked after across yeah. the world. It's nice that they've turned something so horrible and made it a spotlight for good things. Yeah. But like all these stories, it's terrible that it has to come to that. Yeah, because, I mean, you see that with a lot of young people who've been murdered in such horrible ways. Their family do try and bring positive, which is great, because we always need more of that in the world. Um, but, like you said, it is horrible that it happened in that way. And it's kind of related, but also not related to the, the sexual abuse, but a similar thing happened um, with Lee Rugby, the um, the soldier that was shot and killed in England. Um, people from the English Defence League, or the British Defence League, um, and just very far-right people who are against the Black Lives Matter protest started to use him as a weapon to say, oh, look, this is why blah, 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 black people have done this and we don't want people from other countries in our country and the family who've set up a foundation released a statement about that and they said we do not condone our son being used in this way he loved everyone of all races like don't use him as a weapon Yeah. and it's it's like they're trying to do something positive for their son and then there's people twisting that as well and I think when families have been through something like that, you should just leave them be and let them do whatever positive marks they're trying to take and stop. Yeah, I have a message to the National Defence League and other people in Britain with this far with this right mentality about um, immigrants. Okay, the world is made up of immigrants. We all move all the time. Okay. Um, Britain was not always occupied by Britons, okay? Everybody moves all the time. We invade places, okay? The Native Americans. Thousands of people have been uh, persecuted across centuries. Stop hiding behind Lee Rigby as an excuse to advance your racism propaganda. It's bullshit. You know it's bullshit. It is a one-off case, okay? It doesn't happen a mm -hmm. lot. It's unfair to the family. It's unfair to everyone mm. to take somebody 
who he was a soldier, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Fought for your country, and you're turning that into a weapon. And putting the family through more because they're not wanting to be connected to that. They're like, we love everybody. Stop. Yeah. There have been centuries of injustice that Britain has committed as a nation. You need to acknowledge that and seriously look in the mirror of what you're advancing by saying these things and think about what the repercussions of that might be. We might be British, but you know there is an argument to be made about this globalist mentality that we all should respect and love one another despite our differences. What you're arguing with the Lee Rigby thing is bigoted and it has a view towards disliking people who aren't white. When if you look far back into your own history, you will not all be from England. Not a chance. No. Um, and with that... Stay safe, stay home. Stay safe, stay home, stay open-minded. Looking into the George Floyd protests, looking at the coronavirus stuff, make sure that you're safe before you do anything related to the lockdown. Okay, keep an open mind. Look after yourselves till next week. Hopefully we start to get back on. Mm-hmm. Back on track. Yeah. With love, Marcus and Claire. See you next week.